0: And good morning welcome to the show. Of course, it is Tuesday as we roll into the Thanksgiving holiday. So, again, this is our last show for the week. Uh, Brennan and I are to be taking off the next couple of days for the Thanksgiving holiday. Be back on Monday live with our next show. But we've got some great content lined up for you on our website. Don't worry. You're not going to miss anything. Uh, we'll have some of our best of segments over the next couple of days for your listening pleasure during the Thanksgiving holiday. If you have absolutely nothing better to do. So. Don't worry, we're not going to let you go. And then, uh, <laughs> exactly, if, if, you, if family kicks you out, you got something to watch. Uh, so, last couple of days, of course, uh, continue to just kind of be this kind of grind higher. And as, and as I said uh, last week, coming into this week, volume is very light. There is nobody around right now trading. So, markets are, you know, a bit, volat- a bit volatile. And, of course, yesterday, good day for the market. We'll talk some more about that today after the bell. Importantly, uh, NVIDIA announces earnings. This is the last big stock in the S&P 500 report earnings this season. Uh, So all eyes, of course, on NVIDIA, all about AI, right? So artificial intelligence, what are they gonna say about it? Um, Very lofty goals for NVIDIA right now. Um, Expectations are extremely high for earnings. So um, any type of stumble uh, or miss could certainly weigh not only on NVIDIA stock tomorrow, um, but also on the entire market so again all kind of all eyes are, are are looking at nvidia yesterday we took profits out of both nvidia and amd a bit reduced those positions back to portfolio weight just ahead of earnings cuz again that bar set so high that it's going to be very difficult um, for them not to disappoint almost at, at this point. So, again, just kind of uh, that'll be the big kind of news after the bell today, uh, in particular. So, you know, one thing that we have been uh, kind of discussing over the last, you know, couple of weeks or so is just simply this market has gotten very, very elevated and has, has been running kind of uh, uh, ahead of kind of expectations and it's interesting because just a month ago everybody was so negative right interest rates were going up and you know you had a 30-year bond auction it was terrible and of course all the headlines were like nobody wants to own bonds look how bad the bond auction was well yesterday Bond yields dropped again uh, down to 4.4%, down from five in just, just a couple of weeks. We've had a very sharp decline in bond yields. Stellar 20-year auction. So now everybody wants to buy bonds apparently. But see, you don't hear about that in the headlines. See, you hear about the bad auction in the headlines because again, as we've talked about before with narratives, if it bleeds, it leads, right? So bad bond auction. Nobody wants our bonds. Yesterday, stellar bond auction on the 20-year bond. No headlines why right it's it's not exciting (laughs) right good news doesn't sell stuff bad news sells stuff so again this is why we've been talking a lot about you know narratives recently and just you know keeping the focus on what are markets doing what's actually happening and again there's still a lot of this idea that we're going to have soaring inflation next year you're going to have you know know, uh, which is fine To have that expectation, but again, if you're going to have that expectation, you also have to have the expectation of stellar economic growth. You're going to have to have six to eight percent economic growth if you're going to have interest rates running at five or six percent. So again, this is just you know the, the things that we have to look at you know, as we start to look into 2024, but that's going to be the big question. That is the big question. Next year, recession, no recession, soft landing, no landing, you know, right? These are all the issues we talked about yesterday. Nobody knows what that outcome is going to be. And, you know, trying to place bets on that is going to be very challenging because this market does stuff that just doesn't make a lot of sense. Again, just a couple of weeks ago, right, the end of October, Everybody thinks the market's just going to keep going down. I, you know, I was posting stuff on Twitter talking about the potential for a year-end rally. Everybody's like, oh, you're crazy. You know, this market's just going to go lo- lower from here. Look at all the problems we've got. Two weeks later, putting out posts this morning <laughs> about the market being overbought. Like, are you crazy? This market's just going to keep going up. So. <laughs> You know, this is just, markets do stuff you don't expect all the time. And this is why it's always very difficult to get mired into one view or the other. Just pay attention to what the markets are doing. Okay, here's what you need to know before the bell this morning. Markets had a really good day yesterday. And again, uh, you know, as we talked about, you know, uh, last week, you know, this week can do pretty much anything because, You know, there's nobody around trading and, and, you know, you could have a big sell off day, you could have a big up day. And again, it just kind of depends on, you know, kind of what the the inmates are doing in the asylum. Yesterday was a a, a good up day. Uh, We're pushing into three standard deviation deviation now above the 50 day moving average. So again, now, it's not like a huge major bear flag, anything like that. It just says that you know, markets are a bit overbought here. And normally when you do this, uh, you can certainly push further into that area. But typically you tend to get some type of pullback you know, to the 20-day, the 50-day moving average, etc. Well, right now the markets move so quickly that there's a fairly big gap between the 50 and the really the 20-day moving average which are sitting right on top of each other. Now the good news is, is the 20-day moving average is about to cross above the 50 so that'll be a, a kind of a good bullish support for markets and particularly if we get a pullback that's going to give you that kind of that support for that year-end rally. So again as we kind of have been talking about here recently just keep a watch on kind of what's going on. We're getting set up now Uh, kind of for this year-end push but markets are going to have to take a little bit of a breather here of some sort again not big not major but again this is why we've talked about you know taking some profits here holding a bit of extra cash Um, markets have gotten you know kind of advanced here again we're very overbought on a short-term basis our money flow indicator is about to flip over negative so again that's another kind of indication that you're likely going to have at least a short-term kind of market peak and again this again this doesn't mean the markets are gonna decline by 10% from here. We've already done that. We had that 10% decline from the June peak to the, to the October lows. This is gonna be something like two or 3%, 1%, not big, just enough to pull you back towards this support line at the 50-day moving average that then gives you the ability to have that set up for that year-end rally. Now, where that year-end rally takes us is a different story. There's certainly uh, expectations that we may be moving into a brand-new bull market heading into next year. Maybe. I don't know. Um, in order for that to happen, we're going to have to break out above kind of the, the January 20, 2022 highs, and that's a, still a bit of a ways away. We haven't got there yet. Um, again, as we get ready to wrap up this year, we'll now have two years – where the market has not made a new high. So we've done a long kind of stretch here where the markets have just been kind of consolidating over the last couple of years. But again, in the short term, we're starting to get pretty elevated on, on most of our signals, which suggests that the, this kind of overbought condition is going to give you a better opportunity to add to your equity side of your portfolio. Again, uh, at the moment, absolutely nothing to be worried about. Now again, headlines are a different story. Lots of concerns moving into next year. And again, uh, yesterday is a good example. Saw the LEI index, the leading economic index, has been negative for 17, 18 months in a row now. A very long stretch. Longest stretch of negative readings for the leading economic index since the financial crisis. Yet we don't have a recession. Yet. See, and that's, that's, that's the big question as we head into next year. Will we? Won't we? That's going to be the, the question. That's going to be the defining moment for this market is whether or not we have a recession. It's easy to get into the camp that says, absolutely, we're going to have a recession next year. It's possible we won't. So again, this is why we just kind of keep harping on this over and over again. Be careful with where you're trading. Be careful of where you're you know taking on taking on risk. And you can take on risk by not being in the markets, right? Because if the markets run up and away from you, you've risked money by not participating. So again, this you know, risk comes in all different types of forms. So make sure you understand the risk that you're taking, risk of missed opportunities, risk of too much weight in equities, risk of not enough weight in bonds or too much weight in bonds. Those are all risks that we have to, to measure and calculate in our portfolio every single day. That's the challenge of investing. All right, quick break, we're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about why your portfolio performance this year has not been nearly as good as the market. Don't go away. We'll talk about that next, right here on The Real Investment Show. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. And welcome back to today's show. Of course, uh, it is the day before Thanksgiving holiday really kind of gets underway. I mean, nobody's going to be around tomorrow. <laughs> Thursday's actually Thanksgiving. Uh, but everybody's going to be out tomorrow. Got to cook, right? Tomorrow's a big cook day. Got to start cooking. Um, it was, I was uh, There's this uh, lady, she makes funny videos. She's a recovering Californian. Have you seen her? Yeah. Have you ever seen her? Great. Yeah, she does these great things. She lives in Tennessee now. And uh, she's talking about, she goes, You're not going to believe this, but you get real turkeys here. <laughs> not tofu turkeys like in California. You get real turkeys. And people actually deep fry them here. <laughs> I don't know where they get the grease from. Maybe they go to Waffle House and get it out of the grease trap. But wherever they get the grease from, they fry these turkeys. Anyway, she does She does some really great videos about being a recovering Californian, if you've ever seen her. Um, anyway, so one of the interesting things that is coming up towards year end now is the annual performance comparison. And this is where investors, by and large, make a vast majority of their mistakes over time. And we've talked about before that the absolute worst thing you can do is compare your portfolio from January the 1st to December 31st of any given year because it means absolutely nothing relative to what your goals are, what your objectives are, those type of things. And this year is going to be, in particular, a stressor for most people. Because their portfolio performance is going to be nowhere near what the market's up about uh, 17 18% for the year right now. Most people's portfolio is not going to be up that much for a whole variety of reasons, and we'll get we'll kind of get into that uh, this morning. But if you go to our website, realinvestmentadvice.com, we actually have a blog post out this morning, and it's talking about this very specific thing because, again, it is that time of the year, unfortunately this has been one of those weird years where things aren't what they seem and this happens from time to time historically it's not something that happens all the time but you know a good example of this was in 2021 nobody wanted energy stocks right remember that because energy prices were negative the world was getting off of energy we're all going to be green and now that whole climate change narrative is starting to fall apart as people start to realize that, um, yeah, you got to kind of have petroleum products um, in your life to uh, live. And, you know, so we saw that big change, of course, in 2022, energy stocks were great performers and the rest of the market wasn't. And then, of course, in 2022, everybody hated Technology stocks, Apple, Microsoft, it was like FANG stocks are dead, right? And so this year's been a year of FANG stocks. And this has been, uh, you know, this kind of rotation in markets has become a bit more volatile uh, over the last, you know, three, four years in particular because of stimulus checks and because of, you know, speculative gambling in markets, et cetera. But, and that's not gonna, I'm not saying this is going to change anytime soon. It's just making it more difficult. To be an investor and one of the big drivers of this is the passive indexing issue which there's nothing wrong with owning an ETF there's nothing wrong with owning a passive index um, but it does have implications for how markets function And as we've talked about before when you have uh, you know 35 30 to 35 cents of every dollar that goes into an s and p index fund going into five six seven stocks it becomes problematic. Because those stocks are just a big vacuum cleaner of fund flows, and we've talked about this a lot on the show. But I've got some charts and data out this morning. If you want to kind of follow along, just uh, and you're in front of your computer right now, listening to the show, just pull up our article from today. It's called "S and P 500 Market Returns and Why Your Performance Is Worse." So importantly, the first thing is is that as we start to look at the point contribution, right? So let's talk about this passive indexing effect, first of all. If we take a look at Apple, Microsoft, Google, uh, Amazon, NVIDIA, Tesla, and Meta, Facebook, and we look at their performance year to date and their contribution to the total return of the S&P 500. So at the time of this writing, which was Friday, which is a year ago and market terms kind of like dog years right Um, this market was up 17 percent of that 17 percent those top seven stocks made up 112 percent of the returns now that means that the other 493 stocks a big chunk of those had negative returns so the pull of those seven stocks keeping the market up was pretty much entirely due to them and if we take, if we kind of look at the performance, you know, kind of indexed return, those top seven stocks from the December twenty-two lows are up uh, up seventy-one percent. Uh, the S and P's up basically nineteen um, percent. Again, this is from the December twenty-two lows, um, and then uh, the remaining four hundred ninety-three companies were up six percent at this time. This was Friday again. So, again, there's a huge gap between the S&P 500 and the rest of the market, right? Those seven stocks and the rest of the market, 19% versus 6% from the December 22 lows. Year-to-date, it's roughly 17% and 3 And And so if you take a look at your portfolio, and what's, what does this mean? Right? So at, at the end of the year you're going to pull out your year-end statement and go, "Well, how did I do?" Right? Market's up 18%. Let's just assume we finished today. Today's the end of the year. Just assume that. So you pull out your statement, when you get it and you man, s and up 18%. I killed it this year. And you're up 3. Right? That's if you own 100% stocks, right? Now, we're not even talking about it if you own some bonds in your portfolio. But if you own 100% stocks, you're up three. And you're like, well, how am I up three if the market's up 19? Well, you know, that sucks. Because you don't own just seven stocks. And this is going to be the challenge for most mutual funds, most professional managers, every advisor on the planet. And particularly if you start to throw in the bonds, you know, bonds into your portfolio, that number is potentially worse probably closer to flat because of bond performance this year. And that's okay. And here's the point of this. That's okay. Let me, you know, there, you know, I was talking with Adam Taggart uh, on Friday and uh, on his show Thoughtful Money Now. And I said, and I asked Adam, I said, assume that, uh, you know, I gave you a Mercedes this year. So think about it from your perspective. You go to work. Okay, so we, we we I'll have some charts here maybe for you in a second. Brent got it fixed, but here let's let's use a real life example because of Brent's performance this morning. I tell Brent for his Christmas bonus, I'm going to buy him a Mercedes, right? Now, Brent calls it Mercedes, but it, it, he you know it's a Mercedes, and and so you know he's happy, right? Brent would be happy if I bought him a Mercedes. Now he drives this little Mazda, right? That he just loves. He's driven this thing ever since I've known him for like 25,000 years. But he loves this little thing. But I bet if I bought him a Mercedes, he would probably drive it once in a while, right? Especially if it's a, you know, if it was a chop top. Got to be a coupe. So he's happy, right? I'm sure he would be happy if I told him I bought him a Mercedes, And then he finds out that I bought everybody else in the office. By the way, if anybody from my office is listening, no, you're not getting a Mercedes. This is an example only. But he finds out that I bought everybody else in the office two Mercedes, one for them and one for their wife. Now, should Brent be upset about that? The natural inclination is is that Brent is going to feel like he is underappreciated. Right. Well, with his performance this morning, he should be, but (laughs) (laughs) But he did fix it, (laughs) which is why you got one Mercedes and not a Toyota Celica. (laughs) So but but our very human nature is, is that we were very excited when we found out we were getting a Mercedes. Right. But now that we found out everybody else is getting two. Well, now we're we're not very excited. It's like, well, you know. Why am I getting shortchanged? That's human nature. And this is how the markets work. This is how Wall Street works. And this is the thing you need to understand about Wall Street because this is going to drive you to miss your investment goals over time, repeatedly. I can't tell you how many people I talk to all the time is like, you know, I, you know it's like, you know, I, I never make money in the markets. I, you know, I buy high, I sell low, I do all the wrong things, right? I, I, all the time. It's very common. And it's not just you. It's everybody does this because of, of the human nature that we have. So what do we do? And this is what Wall Street wants you to do. Wall Street wants you to compare. So when we come back from break, we'll talk about the, the, the evil of comparison, when it comes to managing your money over time and how what you can do to combat that. So don't go away. More of The Real Investment Show coming up right after the break. Investment advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. And welcome back to the show this morning. So, just talking about comparisons just for the break. And this is what Wall Street wants you to do. And this is why you make the vast majority of mistakes in managing your money over time is by comparing it to an index of any sort. And you never should. Um, and I'll, I'll explain to you why in, in a second. But comparison is what Wall Street wants you to do. This is why whenever you hear ads on television like, how did you do last year? Did you beat the index? And if you didn't, you need to go find a new you know, portfolio manager or switch to my fund or that fund or whatever it is. Because money in motion creates fees for Wall Street. So the more you move around chasing last year's hot performers, the more money that Wall Street makes. They, they want you to do that. What they don't want you to do is they don't want you to buy and hold. You know They talk a lot about buy and hold investing. They really don't want you to do that because they don't make any money unless they are just charging you a fee for you to be in their ETF or mutual fund or whatever it is, right? But money in motion creates fees. And there's a great chart that's put out every year by Callen uh, Investments. And it's uh, basically a periodic table of returns. And I've taken a little bit of liberty with the chart that they produced, and I've overlaid some lines. And here's the thing I want you to take away from this chart is that the best – so this is a, this is basically a quilt of indexes ranked from best performing to worst performing by each year. What you will notice is is that what is generally in the top performing category for one or two years is generally at the bottom of the category in the next year, right? And you know, so you know, you look back at last year and you say, okay, well, you know, emerging markets, how did they do? They 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 were the man, emerging markets were killing it. So I got to get into the emerging markets because you know I you know they're this just going up from here, and the next year they're actually, actually the worst performers ever. Um and that happens all the time. And so if you what's important to note is is that whatever was working last year typically doesn't work in the coming year. And so as we start talking about 2024 and you start thinking about man, I've got you know the, the tech stocks are killing you, right? And look, and right now most of Wall Street's like, "Oh, well next year we're going to have this massive earnings growth." But it's all based on seven stocks. You know, if we take a look at the expectations for earnings next year, and and this is a really kind of important point Goldman Sachs is expecting there to be a very sharp increase in earnings next year. It's all from seven stocks. The rest of the market, they're expecting an earnings decline. So, what, you're going to go jump into just seven stocks now in your portfolio? But we keep playing this game, right? We play this game of comparing everything to one index or another, and we say, well, how did we do? And we're disappointed when we find out that we didn't make as much as the benchmark index, but it doesn't matter. You know, when we start talking about where, we, where we're going to be in the coming year, and this is the, you know, the important part about this, is we need to look back at our portfolios over a period of two or three years, four years. We've talked about this before. Don't worry about one year in performance. How have you done over the last four years in your portfolio? Because that gives you a much better indication of how your investment strategy is working. Every year, in, in any given year, a value is going to work this year and growth isn't, or growth works this year, then value doesn't. And if you're a value investor, you're going to have years where you underperform the markets because growth is outperforming value. If you're a growth investor, you have years where you underperform value because, well, growth is underperforming. That's just the nature of the beast. So, but that doesn't tell you anything from January the 1st to December 31st. tells you nothing about how your strategy is working. Look at it over a three- or four-year period. How have you performed? And what you're going to find out is the, that if your strategy is working, you've, you've achieved whatever your goal is. If your goal that you need for retirement is 5% a year or 6% a year, whatever the number is, you know whatever that hurdle rate is, you're going to look back and go, oh, I did okay. And let me give you a good example of this. If we, so if we look at the S&P 500 index versus the equal weighted index, they have pretty much performed in line with each other over the last four years, except this year, Right? big gap in performance this year doesn't mean that if you're an equal weighted investor that your investment strategy doesn't work anymore or that that you know if you're invested in equal weighted indexes or if you have a, a diversified portfolio and it's not working this year doesn't mean that your strategy is broken it doesn't mean that you know, your performance or your fund manager or whoever it is, is is not working and you need to go move your money somewhere else, go look at your last three or four years. How have you done? Have you achieved that 6% rate of return that you were looking for? And the answer would be yes. This year you didn't. But over the last four years, you've done just fine. And that's what's important. Because you're going to have these years because of some bifurcation in the market or whatever it is that leads you to have this differential in performance. But this is where we make our worst mistakes because generally what happens is is that whatever wasn't working this year, we abandon that. We go, well, that didn't work, so I'm going to go try something else. I'm going to go buy seven stocks in my portfolio, generally right at the worst time. Financial Resource Corporation summed it up really well. They wrote this back in 2000 after the dot-com bust. For those who are not satisfied with simply beating an average over any given period consider this if an investor can consistently achieve slightly better than average returns now what is average markets up 18 19% for the year average historical is 6% with dividends it's 8 after inflation it's 6 okay so You know, there's your there's your average rate of return. So if an if an investor can consistently achieve slightly better than average returns each year over a 10 to 15 year period, then cumulatively over the full year period, they're likely better to do do better than 80 percent or more of their peers. They may never have discovered a fund that ranked number one over a subsequent one or three year period. That failure, however, is more than offset by having avoided options that dramatically underperformed. For those who are looking to find a new method of discerning the top 10 funds for next year, this study will prove frustrating. There are no magic shortcut solutions. And we urge readers to abandon the elusive and ultimately counterproductive search for them. For those who are willing to restrain their short-term passions, embrace the virtue of only being slightly better than average, and wait for the benefits of that approach to compound into something much better. That's a true statement. Focus on... The rate of return that you need, not what the market is doing. Because the, the, there's, so there's, you know, there's important things about indexes that you need to understand. If you're chasing the S&P 500 index, you have to take on, a, you have to, A, first of all, own 100% stocks. You have to own them in the same amounts and weights. And you have to own 100% of it all the time. The index has no cash it has no expenses it has no distributions it has no that has no draw on its performance because of outside influences importantly if a company goes bankrupt you know you own gm in your portfolio and gm goes bankrupt like it did back in 2008 the index simply takes gm out and puts ibm in or whatever, and just reweights the portfolio. There's no performance loss. It just GM just magically disappears. But in your portfolio, you have to sell GM at a dramatic loss. You've lost a lot of money. This is called the substitution effect. And now, since you've got 100% of your money invested in the index, you can only buy whatever value you got out of GM. That's all you can buy of IBM unless you go get more money somewhere else and put it into the portfolio to buy the right amount of shares. So there's all these things, these factors that that happen in an index that you don't have access to because you're running a real-world portfolio. And then you need to be aware of those things. So what do you want to look for? So, So what do you want to look for as an investor, right? Look for stable returns. Not the highest rate of returns. Look for a reasonable annual return that aligns with your investment goals over time. I need 5%. I need 6%. I need whatever it is. Because remember, in order to generate, if I, if I need 4% a year to reach my goal, and I go, well, I, I really want 5 that 1% rate of return is an increase of 20%. Of, of, of 25% of the overall portfolio. So all of a sudden, you've got to take on not just 25% more risk, it's like 100% more risk. You've got to, to, to generate an additional rate of return, you've got to take on an exponentially greater amount of risk in your portfolio that will have negative consequences when markets go down. It'll be fine when it's going up, just when it goes down, it's a problem. So don't compare yourself to some index because indexes don't matter. The only thing that matters is your is your hurdle rate. Save money. Consistently save. Don't depend on the markets to bail you out of a lack of savings. And manage your money. Anyway, that article along with all the charts and support, et cetera, on the website now, at realinvestmentadvice.com, if you want to go read it. So when we come back, we'll uh, wrap up the show this morning. Don't go away. Love is everywhere Step into the confusion Can't you hear the sound that's in the air? Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. And welcome back to the show this morning. So interesting news out this morning. Texas State University in San Marcos. Very excited. They have been selected as a venue for the 2024 presidential debates. Really? Yeah. They're very excited about it. They're going to be very disappointed when there's not a debate because, you know, there's, you know, the Democrats don't want Biden to debate anything. And Trump's like, I don't want to debate. So <laughs> Trump hasn't gone to a debate yet. So <laughs> Yeah. It's not a safe bet. <laughs> exactly. But no. Anyway. So. They, they were selected this morning. I'm sure they're very, very excited about that. Um, the, Lyndon Bain Johnson actually graduated from Texas State University. Uh, back then, it was known as Southwest Texas State University. Actually, it was known as the, the farmhouse next door to the, the elementary school back then, but uh, before it became a university. But yeah. It was a teacher's college. It Southwest was. Texas Teachers College, because my mom went there. Okay, and then yeah. it became Southwest Texas State University. Yes. Then it became Texas State University. Mm-hmm. They're trying to grow up. A little bit uh, of an identity crisis. Yeah, yeah. They're they're trying to they're trying to find their way. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> gradually growing up. They should just change the name of the college to, I almost made it to UT. <laughs> or UT just you know, absorbed them it's at some point. UT South. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, that'll be the case eventually. Um, But it is Thanksgiving, so, um, you know, this is the time of year where my whole family wants me to make my Irish guacamole. Which is basically mashed potatoes with a whole variety of stuff in them. Um, do Do you have relatives, like, that you have to, like, cover for at Thanksgiving? In what way? Well, so... You know when you have the family thanksgiving dinner right okay well come over and and okay you bring your mashed potatoes Uh and you know you and and like my wife she has to bring you know she's got to bring her green bean casserole whatever Mm -hmm. it is right Mm -hmm. so everybody has their respective things yes i always have to wind up taking like a whole brisket or something else because the people are involved that are you know like my 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 wife's mother she'll show up with like you know a casserole with like half of it already missing (laughs) (laughs) it's like she baked it three days ago they've already eaten half of it they show up and they're like here we go you know yeah one chicken for like 20 people it's like i know i know you're religious but you're not jesus right you're not gonna feed 20 people with a chicken right so yeah ours is we manage that more strategically uh uh-huh if we know someone's coming and we know that the dish that they bring really isn't up to par You, you cover you you tell them you bring the drinks yep. bring us a gallon of tea <laughs> 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 yeah see they're on to that so i just see i just cover i just i i know what's you know mm-hmm. going to be missing like there's there's always an extra pot of <laughs> stovetop stuffing ah right yeah there because you go. the kids will eat stovetop stuffing mm-hmm. for sure so it's, it's always, I'm, I'm sure everybody has this in their family, but this is like one of those, those things like every year I have to f- strategically plan out, okay, I've got to cover for this person, this person, yeah. this person. So we get it done. It gets yeah. It done. Yeah. Very surreptitiously. Just, oh, I didn't know. I, I just thought, you know, here, just, just some extra. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. Just in case you brought a fish and one loaf of bread for <laughs> 25 people. <laughs> Fish
1: for Thanksgiving?
0: It's it's the it's the Jesus. The metaphor. It's the metaphor, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know your Bible. I have a friend whose mother is here from the Philippines. Uh This will be her first American Thanksgiving. Well, she's in for a treat. She is, but she wanted fish. (laughs) (laughs) She'll be disappointed (laughs) a little bit. I don't know, we do, we, do, we do kind of non-traditional things for Thanksgiving, right? We yeah. have like brisket and sausage, and because I'm not a big turkey fan. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, you know, I grew up traditional Thanksgivings with my family, turkey, but my dad was never a big turkey fan, and, and so we always had different stuff for Thanksgiving yeah. as well. And I know, think it's evolved, okay. effectively evolved. It has, but it's still dry, you know. So my fix to that is smoked turkey. That, which I can do. Yeah. Fried turkey works, mm-hmm. right? Turduckens. Tur- eh, yeah. Do you ever have one of those? Do you ever yeah, one of those? Yeah, 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 I For some reason, people send me those like every year. I get one. Really? Don't send me one, okay? <laughs> do not send me one. Yeah, no, I'm not a big fan. Yeah. I mean, they're okay. If you don't know what a turducken is, it's a cow stuffed inside of a goat. <laughs> but... Uh, <it's- laughs> I just want to know who thought up turducken to right. start with. That had, to, you know, that had to be some Cajun dude somewhere, right? Some place, <laughs> some place. Let me say here: let's take a duck and stick it inside of a chicken, and put that inside of a turkey. What are you gonna call it? Turducken. <laughs> and then let's fry it up. <laughs> Good stuff. Where's my banjo music? <laughs> exactly. Anyway, all right. Got, got, to, got to get serious about work here. Uh, this is what happens on the day before a holiday. I get mm-hmm. vacation head. Things go right down the tubes. Thanksgiving Eve, Eve. Correct. Uh, this morning, we have um, a lot of earnings out today. Abercrombie & Fitch, AEO, American Eagle, um, Best Buy, Burlington Resources, Dick Sporting Goods, Guess, um, just a tremendous amount of retailers out today with earnings. Not important what they say about earnings. It's going to be their outlook. Listen specifically for foot traffic, sales volumes, and projections for that. So again, the retail spending has been extremely strong so far, but what we're looking for is any evidence that that may be slowing down, right? Has the retail investor finally, or sorry, has the retail consumer finally been impacted by higher rates, more constrictive credit, those type of things. So that's what we're we'll going to be paying attention to today in a lot of these reports. And, of course, after the bell today, NVIDIA, right? That's everybody else. Uh, economic news out today is pretty light. Uh, existing home sales uh, expecting $3.9 million, down from $3.96 million. By the way, by the way, when you hear these reports – Of home sales. We did not sell 3.9 million homes last month. It is one twelfth of that because these are annualized numbers. So if you sell one home in the month of October, it is 12. That's why I've got to be very careful with this data, because what this is assuming is that every month going forward over the next 12 months, we're going to sell one home every single month. That's what 3.9 million homes tells you, or 3 million homes or whatever the number is. They're expecting that over the next 12 months, we're going to sell 3 million homes. That's not the case. Next month, it'll be a different number. Why they don't just report the actual number is beyond me, right? We sold one home this month or two homes or whatever it is. I don't know why we annualize it because it makes no sense whatsoever, but that's what it is. Initial jobless claims expected to be at 225 down from 231 last week. Uh, Durable goods orders at down 3.2%. Uh, versus uh, last month's report of up 4.6%. So they're expecting a pretty big swing in durable goods orders. Uh, NBA mortgage applications should tick up fairly nicely because of the drop in interest rates. We're starting to see some more mortgage activity come in. People that are trying to buy a home, et cetera, have been waiting for a downtick in rates. So, again, uh, we've seen that uh, drop in rates, so that spurred some activity. So, you know, we'll see uh, again, you know, after the bell uh, chipmaker um, should give investors a glimpse at how dollars are actually being spent for the 2024 applications, particularly in cloud services, as well as GPUs for artificial intelligence applications, et cetera. That's going to kind of be the big thing. Of course, the, the big news yesterday was the whole shakeup at OpenAI, about 500 of the 700 employees at OpenAI said, uh, if you don't get rid of the board of directors, we're all going to quit and go work for Microsoft. <laughs> so Sam Altman's now, who was kind of the one of the big fathers in OpenAI, has now gone to work for Microsoft. Of course, Microsoft hitting an all-time high yesterday on that news, along with NVIDIA, by the way, uh, running up ahead of the actual earnings announcement today. So again, expectations are very lofty today. So... Again, we'll see how this uh, works out. We'll uh, put it in our daily commentary tomorrow morning. Uh, kind of give you an update on that. And make sure if you're not getting our daily market commentary that we publish out every morning, seven thirty sharp. Simply go by the website realinvestmentadvice.com. There's a, a a place to put your email address in. Just click on uh, subscribe to the open uh, to the daily market commentary. Comes to your desk every morning. Just it's about three minutes long to read. Um, gives you a trading update for the day, what the market's doing, kind of what we're looking at data-wise. It's all in there. It's very concise, very easy to read. Um, kind of helps you get your trading day started. But again, it's absolutely free. It's on the website, BillInvestmentAdvice.com, and make sure while you're here, give us a Thanksgiving gift by liking and subscribing to this channel. And we appreciate it very much. We've had a nice growth in uh, and viewers and followers lately, and we appreciate it very much. And Britt and I both want to wish you a very happy, safe, and healthy Thanksgiving. Enjoy it with your family. Be safe. Uh, Travel is going to be crazy. So watch, it's not you. Like my mom always says, it's not you. It's everybody else. So (laughs) it is going to be crazy traffic-wise. And so just be careful. And we'll see you back here on Monday for the next live edition of The Real Investment Show. Have a great, happy Thanksgiving.